Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians, the third chapter. And just place a marker in there, if you would, and then turn over to the book of John in the 13th chapter. Well, it's certainly that time of year again where everybody or most everybody is thinking about how they can change for the better and the new year. It's just natural at that point in time when we, we change the calendar from 2017 into 2018 that we, um, things that we may have given up on, things that we ha- may have stopped trying to do uh, the previous year, we've got a new year and so we take advantage of that and we try to start over. You know, the areas may be very different for all of us. You know, some of us may want to exercise more. Some of us may want to exercise less. Um, Others may be changing the nutrition that we put into our bodies. Um, Some of us may, there may be something like um, uh, Gary shared with me, a bucket list that that he has started uh, for 2018. And he was very excited about some of the things on that list of uh, being able to accomplish Uh, whether it's this year or in future years. And you may find yourself in that similar circumstance. And what I believe is, I believe that, you know, that concept of a new beginning, that concept of using the new year to have a fresh start is not just something that we have out in um, the, the local area. It's something I think that is biblical. If you look in the bulletin, there's a Bible verse there in the, the inside cover. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new, how often? Every year? No. Every month? That's not what it says. It says every morning so his love is new his mercies are new every morning great is your faithfulness and what I find great is that this is out of the book of lamentations I don't know if you understand what the word lamentation means but it's not praise it's complain and so here is a book in the Old Testament of almost nothing but complaining and maybe not complaining in, in that bad of a sense, but life is rough. Has anyone ever had one of those years where life was just rough? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could write your own book of lamentations? And God breathed, the author wrote this verse here. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. They are fresh every morning. 
And so while I'm taking advantage of preaching a sermon series called Fresh um, Start at the beginning of the year, we could do this in February, in March, in July, in November. You know, why? Because God's mercies are new. How often? Every morning. Well, as part of this series of the next three weeks, I want to talk about three small changes that we should focus on in our lives. And I believe that if you'll change your life by making small changes, you can make a big change to your life. And so today, um, I'm going to ask you to change your life by changing the way you love. And whenever I think of the word love, I can't help but think of this 70-year-old couple who had been married for 50 years. They got married when they were 20. Here they are now, 70 years old, 50 years of marriage, and the wife asked the husband to go see a counselor with her. Now, men, you know what I'm thinking, and that's never, ever a good thing. But this husband, he'd said, you know, 50 years, I'll do this for my wife. And so they're in there talking to the counselor, and the counselor finally just asked the wife, you know, what is it? What's the biggest problem that you see between you and your husband? And she shared with the counselor in front of her husband, he says, he doesn't tell me that he loves me anymore. Hmm. The counselor kind of looks over at the husband waiting for him to say something. And the husband, you know, waits a little bit, and there's this awkward silence, and then finally he says, well, honey, do you remember when we got married and I told you that I loved you? She said, yes, I remember that. He goes, well, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's not the love that I'm talking about, all right? So uh, to get out of this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've given us. Thank you for the promise that your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, I just ask that you would help me deliver the message that you've given and speak to the hearts of your people. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you have John chapter 13 open, look at verse 34. It says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. Now, what's interesting, when you read a passage of the Bible, it's important to know the context of what's going on. And if you put any study into it, you'll notice that John chapter 13, what has just happened is, this is during the Last Supper. And Judas has just walked out of the room to go and betray Jesus. In 24 hours, Jesus knows that he's going to have been crucified. Now, if you knew you only had 24 hours left with the 11 now closest men to you in your life, I mean, it's probably happened over and over again in hospitals where the family's been called. You need to come. Mom's not going to make it. Dad's not going to make it. He's got less than 24 hours. And if you knew that you only had 24 hours, what would you tell or what would you talk about to those that you loved? Would it be about how cold it is outside? Would it be about um, that new car that you were thinking about buying? 
Would you talk to them about um, maybe one of your favorite meals that you had, you know, years ago, or one of the favorite places that you visit? I doubt that that's the words that we would give. I think that if, if I knew I only had 24 hours left, and I had my sons and my wife with me, I would share with them the most important things that I'd learned in life. Things that I believe that if they'll put into practice, it'll make their life great. And I believe that's what Jesus did. The Son of God. And he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. These are the last words that he gives. This is maybe the most important message because he's not going to see, he's not going to have a conversation with any of his disciples after they leave. And so now he's bearing it all. And he says, if you don't do anything else, love one another. And what I find interesting is that he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And any time that you see that there's a new commandment, what does that mean there was? An old commandment. We've got a new testament. And that means there was an old testament. In this case, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. That means that there was a old commandment so the way one of the areas that you can find what that old commandment was is in the book of luke in the 10th chapter and in the book of luke in the 10th chapter there's a lot of things that are happening but one thing in particular happens where a lawyer stands up and questions jesus and you can only imagine when it's a lawyer questioning him it's probably not with the best heart and the best intent and so um here is what you need to know about Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 says this, that the disciples, and, and, and when I say the disciples, I don't mean the 12. Jesus had just sent out over the past weeks hundreds of disciples. And now they have all come back, and when they came back, they were excited. They're like, you're not going to believe what's happening. We are casting out demons in your name. We are healing the sick in your name. And so now these hundreds of men and probably their families are there with Jesus and Jesus if you read the passage before the encounter with the lawyer Jesus is praising God he's seeing the pinnacle the 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 very everything that he's been working for over the last three years come to its one of its greatest points the disciples are getting it and here's what's interesting, that this lawyer was one of his disciples. And let me read to you what happens here. The lawyer, it says, and behold, in verse 25 in Luke chapter 10, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And so the lawyer says, well, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you got it. Go and do that. Have, have you ever met somebody who asks you the question and you know they know the answer? And they're just wanting to see if you give the right answer? That's what the lawyer was doing. He was testing Jesus. And Jesus had him answer his own question. And he knew the answer. And so um, after he gives that answer we find out that, what was the old commandment? To love your neighbor, how? As you love yourself. Now, here's the problem with that, is not all of us love ourselves that good. 
And you'll find out that, I mean, of all, I mean, look, we're all selfish. We're all hedonistic to some level. And, and when I say that, you probably have a harder time loving anyone more than you love yourself. Now, you probably have a hard time hearing that, but it's the truth. But even when you love yourself more than you love anything else, sometimes it's not that much. Sometimes you're not happy with where you're at. Sometimes you're not happy with the life that you've been given to live. You're not happy with the circumstances that you face day in and day out. You're not happy with the job. And so what I've discovered is when someone doesn't love themselves, they struggle. They have a hard time loving someone else. And that's exactly what Jesus told this lawyer. But fast forward, it's at the Last Supper, and Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, understand this. This really wasn't a new commandment. But he says, see, before Jesus had came and lived on the earth, they didn't know what absolute love could look like. And so the best that they could put together was love yourself. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. It's pretty good. It's cold outside. I put a coat on. Yesterday, I put it on a couple times. I was taking care of myself. But Jesus changes it. He changes the standard. I don't want you to just love your neighbor like you love yourself. I want you to love each other like I have loved you. What's interesting, if you go back to the the lawyer, the lawyer, after Jesus tells him this, the old commandment, the lawyer asks a question. And this was the question that the lawyer asked. In verse 29, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so he went from the the new commandment to Jesus is talking about a new paradigm. And the new paradigm is this, that we need to love without loopholes. Because what happened is the lawyer just asked Jesus for a what? A loophole. He just asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus, as only he could do, doesn't answer the lawyer. Instead, he begins to talk to the whole group. And he tells the story about a man who came down from Jerusalem. And what's important is the audience that he's talking to are a a group of Jewish men. And so somebody coming down from Jerusalem, guess what they are? A Jewish man. And he says, this man is going along and he gets robbed. He gets beaten up. He's left destitute on the side of the road. And then along comes a priest, sees him, crosses to the other side and moves on. And then next thing you know, here comes a Levite and sees him, crosses over and goes on. And then there's another person that shows up. And it was a Samaritan. Now, trust me, you'll not find in the Bible where they call him a good Samaritan, except in the notes. Because the Jews did not believe that there was anything like a good Samaritan. Matter of fact, when they talked about Samaritans, good wasn't the word that they would use. It was bad. It was nasty. They were dogs. They were nobody. Matter of fact, if you wanted to not like anybody, you could not like Samaritans. 
And so Jesus tells that story. And then he asks the question, who was the Jewish man's neighbor? See, the lawyer was looking for a loophole. And Jesus wants us to love in such a way that we don't have loopholes. Mm -hmm. That we don't look for a reason why we can walk to the other side of the street. Because I'll bet if we asked that priest, there was a very good reason why he, he didn't stop and take care of that Jewish man. Maybe he, he was late for an appointment with one of his members. Maybe he was late to speak at an event at the, the local community. Maybe he was um, going, and going to the temple and he needed to do something very important. He had a loophole. And usually when we have loopholes, what do we do with them? Hey, taxes are coming up. We're going to find some of these things called loopholes. And we're going to use them. Is it illegal? No, it's part of the law. And what Jesus is showing the disciple, what he's showing this lawyer is that you would think that the priest would have been the neighbor. You would think that the Levite would have been the neighbor, but they weren't because their actions didn't demonstrate that. I remember 26 years ago, just down the road off of I-64, I'm stationed at Scott Air Force Base. I have fallen in love with this young lady that lives in Granite City, Illinois. You probably don't know her name. It's Carrie. <laughs> I've fallen in love, and I've got a date set with her this week. A buddy of mine and I were in downtown St. Louis, and we're driving back. And this is before phones with GPS. This was before GPS. This, I had maps. And um, I had her address. And so I wanted to know where I was going when it come date night so I could just ride right in, you know, right in perfect timing. And so I asked my buddy, I said, do you know anything about Granite City? He goes, oh, yeah, I know Granite City. And so we pulled out the map and, and we found the street that she lived on and, and we drove there and, and I kind of stalked her a little bit. I'm sitting out there with him. I said, man, you know, she's pretty, pretty hot. He's then we started driving home. He goes, let's take a shortcut. Oh, actually, he didn't say that. I <laughs> said that. And I missed my turn. And all of a sudden, I'm in a town called Collinsville. And I, back then, this town called Collinsville had a stop sign every 50 feet. All right, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I go to the first one. I stop. I look. There's no one in Collinsville up at 1 o'clock in the morning. I go 50 feet, and there's another. And I stop. After the third one, I said, you know what? I'm not stopping at these stop signs. And I just started driving. I went through about five of those. And I'm looking at my friend. He's looking at me. And then all of a sudden, woo! Where did that guy come from? And the officer comes up. I roll my window down. It's kind of cold. It's this time of year. And he, um, he asked me one question. He goes, did you see that stop sign that you just drove through? Now, folks, forgive me. I lied. <laughs> I know that's probably not the way to start off your first sermon as, uh, telling you that, but I lied. This is 26 years ago, all right? I've since repented of this. And I told him, no, I didn't see that stop sign. And I'm holding out my military ID card. He goes, it didn't look like you saw that. 
He goes, I used to be in the military, and he gave me a break. Mm. His mercies are new even at 1 o'clock mm. in the morning. Well, we got back on the road, and I don't know how I did this. And if you know anything about where Granite City is and where Collinsville is, why in the world would I end up in East St. Louis? I didn't have GPS. I obviously wasn't looking at the map. I'm now in downtown East St. Louis. And my car breaks down. It's 1.30 in the morning. I'm in East St. Louis, Janelle. And my car breaks down. And so we get out of the car and we're trying to figure it out. And folks, here's what happened. I remember two vehicles driving by. One was a pickup truck. There was like three guys in it, white guys. And they yelled at me, stinks to be you. They used some different words. And kept on driving. And then another car did the same thing. And then another truck just pulled in behind me. And this older black gentleman got out. And he goes, guys, this is not a good place. I said, we're with you. And he stayed with us until the wrecker came. And helped us get the car working. Now let me ask you, who was my neighbor that night? Mm. You know, sometimes we get that messed up in church. That we don't know who our neighbor is. And what we do is we use loopholes. There's different loopholes that we use as a church. The loophole may be here in Centralia, which side of the railroad tracks? In here, it may be where you live, in what neighborhood. It may be the color of your skin. It may be the religion that you grew up in. It may be where you work. But you see, we've all created these loopholes. We're not much better than the lawyer. We just didn't ask Jesus to his face. And so what we do is we keep it to ourselves and we just live with the loopholes. And we excuse ourselves from having to love like Jesus loved. Well, what I noticed was that um, if you go back to John chapter 13, in verse 35, they give us a new test. And so in verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. And then in verse 35, he says, by this, by what? By how you love each other, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So if we love, now, so, now, now here as a church, if we just love each other, the ones who are in this room, All people will know that we're disciples of Christ. But we have to love each other. You know, I hope, I want to believe that if anything were to happen to someone else, that all of us would run. But you know, sometimes we wouldn't. Sometimes we might start moving in that direction, but then Walmart calls. And we never get there to help them out.
But that's what Jesus was saying. Because when we think about the standard now, the new commandment, love like Jesus, would Jesus have walked on the other side of the street? Would Jesus have gone by in East St. Louis and taunted somebody who was stuck? Would Jesus use any of those loopholes that I mentioned earlier to not love on someone? No, he wouldn't. As a matter of fact, he didn't. Because if you follow his ministry, he went to the Samaritans. I think one of the passages says, I must needs go through Samaria. The disciples are like, let's do anything but that. People are already trying to kill you, and now you want to do the thing where everyone else is going to want to kill you. I asked you to open up to two passages, and the first one was Colossians chapter 3, and I want to read verse 14 in Colossians chapter 3 to you. And the verse says, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, if you do a little research and you look previously in Colossians chapter 3 in the previous verses, what are the things that we're putting love above? Well, here's some of them. Compassion. Now, don't you think that as a Christian it would be good to be compassionate? Sure. It sure would. Um, kindness. Do you think that it would behoove us as a church to practice Acts of kindness? It would. Humility. As a church, as a believer in Christ, we should be humble. Meek. Patient. It says that we need to bear one another. Be there for them. Lift them up. Hold them up when they're hurting and when they're weak. And the last thing it says, forgiving one another. All of these things are good things. But Paul said, above all of that, yes, you should be compassionate. Yes, you should be kind. Yes, you should have humility. Yes, you should be meek. Yes, you should be patient. Yes, you should bear one another. Yes, you should forgive one another. But above all that, put on love, which binds us together in the spirit of unity. What's going to keep our church strong and healthy over the next 10 months is that we put on love and that it keeps us together, bound, tight. Because if, if people want to have someone walk around and leave them abandoned on the side of the road, they, they get that every day. They get that at work. They get that from some of their family. They get that from some of their real neighbors. Where should they not get that from? Temple Baptist Church. Sure. And so we need to put on love. And folks, this is not easy. Because when we talk about the concept of love and loopholes, um, where you probably appreciate love the most is when you start having children. Now, I know I did this. I don't think Carrie said it, but I know I said it. There were some times where I said to my boys, I said, if you do that, you are on your own. Maybe I didn't say it. I thought it. <laughs> it, it am I the only dad that has thought those words? And, I, and, and if you make that bad decision, you're on your own. Good luck. But then guess what? They make that bad decision. And guess what? It doesn't turn out good for them. And guess what? 
Guess who's there for them? With them? Dad. It's cost me a lot of money. But you know what? I'd do it tomorrow. Why? Because I love my sons. When it comes to love, there's always going to be evidence of it. Think about the priest. Was there any evidence that he loved that man that was broken down on the side of the road? Was there any evidence? There was evidence, but where did the evidence point to? That he didn't love that man. That he wasn't his neighbor. Think about the Levite. Was there any evidence that he loved the man who had been robbed and left for dead? Well, there's evidence, but what was the evidence? That he didn't love him. So if somebody had actually seen that, would they believe that that priest or that Levite was a disciple of Christ? No. Not based off of this standard. See, the robes, the ornaments, the size of their Bible may have told people that they're a Jew, that they're a priest, that they're a Levite. But the evidence of their life of the way they lived did not point to the fact that they loved. And so the question I would ask you is this. Does the evidence of the way that we treat each other as a church, would it indict us that we love each other? Because the Bible says, by this, all Centralia will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for the other. That's our calling. See, the, the Bible has told us that there's a new commandment. And that new commandment is to love like Jesus. And then, and then I think that he expounds on it a little bit more and he gives us a, a new paradigm. And in that, that new paradigm, he tells us to love without loopholes. And then finally... At the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. There's only one way that you can get the proof, and that's by tasting the pudding. Because there's stuff that looks like pudding that's not. There's stuff that looks delicious that is not. And the only way folks will know if we love one another is the evidence that we leave. And if the evidence looks like we walk to the other side of the street, we've shown them what we do. And that's not love. So, what do we do with this information? Well, just as Jesus pointed out that we need to love each other, this is not a new concept. Even though he said a new commandment, all he did was take what was in the Old Testament. Because Jesus didn't come and preach any new gospel. He preached the same gospel from the beginning of time. From the time that Adam made the decision to sin, God and Jesus had a plan to restore him. And all of us that have come since. And so, one of the things that Jesus, in the form of a man, taught us 
was how to love. But one of the challenges is that, that, that I have, that I'm confident that you probably have, is that we struggle to live out this love. And I would dare say that most of us struggle with really loving people like Jesus loves people. Most of us struggle with really loving people without loopholes. It's human nature. Why do we love with loopholes? Because people have loved us with loopholes. And I believe that we struggle with really loving people with love that leaves evidence where the proof is in the pudding. And, and I want to share with you a video that as I, was, um, I came across recently and I thought this lines up perfectly with what I'm trying to say. So if you would play that video. Caleb, if I were to ask you why you're so frustrated with Catherine, what would you say? She's stubborn. She makes everything difficult for me. She's ungrateful. She's constantly griping about something. Has she thanked you for anything you've done the last 20 days? No! And you'd think after I wash the car, I change the oil, do the dishes, clean the house, that she would try to show me a little bit of gratitude. But she doesn't. In fact, when I come home, she makes me feel like I'm, like I'm an enemy. I'm not even welcome in my own home, Dad. That is what really ticks me off. Dad, for the last three weeks, I have bent over backwards for her. I have tried to demonstrate that I still care about this relationship. I bought her flowers, which she threw away. I have taken her insults and her sarcasm, but last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care about her, to show value for her, and she spat in my face. She does not deserve this, Dad. I am not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? That's a good question. Dad, that is not what I'm doing. Isn't it? Dad, that is not what this is about. Son, you just asked me. How can someone show love over and over again when they're constantly rejected? Caleb, the answer is, you can't love her because you can't give her what you know I have. I couldn't truly love your mother until I understood what love really was. It's not because I get some reward out of it. I've now made a decision to love your mother whether she deserves it or not. Son, God loves you even though you don't deserve it. Even though you've rejected Him. Spat in His face. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment for your sin because He loves you. The cross was offensive to me until I came to it. But when I did, Jesus Christ changed my life. That's when I truly began to love your mom. Son, I can't settle this for you. This is between you and the Lord. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. Can't you see that you need Him?
Can't you see that you need His forgiveness? Yes. How many of us are like Caleb? And that we've got a lot of reasons why we're giving up on loving someone in our life. I mean, as humans, it's natural for us to, to be selfish. But see, that's the very opposite of what love is. Because love is not selfish. It's not puffed up. It doesn't think about itself. Love only thinks about the other thing. And we heard him go into a diatribe of all of the things. See, he was loving. He was doing things expecting to get something in return. See, he had a loophole. Because if she didn't give that back in return, then he was going to stop loving. Folks, I don't believe that that's too far off than us on everyday life. There are people in our lives that, that we continue to not love because they've never returned it. And here's what I would tell you is that you will struggle with loving others until you have experienced love. You will not be able to love your neighbor as you love yourself because you have not truly been loved by a neighbor, by a spouse, by a relative. But those of us who have experienced that, that person in our life, some of us call her mom, that loved us the way the Bible talks about loving. And once we get it in our heart, all of a sudden now it's easier for us to love other people. Why? Because we've seen it. And I would tell you this, that you will struggle loving like Jesus until you have accepted God's love. It's a high standard. To love like Jesus, to love without loopholes, to love leaving evidence. But you'll never be, you'll just be frustrated until you have accepted the love that God has given to you. You'll never be able to forgive someone until you know what it's like to really be forgiven. Sometimes we are quick to forgive ourselves. Remember how we love ourselves? But yet we're not quick to forgive somebody who's offended us. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. That, that we have to be able to forgive them like we forgive ourselves. We have to be able to love like Jesus modeled love. We have to be able to love like the Samaritan when it came to the man who'd been beaten and was almost at death's door. And the evidence that he gave was this. He spent his money, he spent his time, he spent his resources for this guy. That the world would say, you shouldn't even stop for him. And what I would encourage you, Gary, if you would come up and play softly, what I would encourage you is that Take this time in the year to start over. If you've recognized, if you've been arguing with me about 
that you really are loving people, but yet you keep coming back to this end that you're not. What I would ask you is to take this chance on January 7th of 2018 and start over. Why? Because Lamentation tells us his mercies are new every day. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.